I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with judgment. So patience and lack of judgment and being fiercely consumer-centric. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Hi everybody, I'm Lisa Slipper with Ad Age and I'm here with Gary Vaynerchuk and he is chairman of VaynerX and CEO of VaynerMedia. And thank you for being with us Thanks today. for having me. Um, so basically I, I was looking at your Twitter account today and noticed um, you mentioning uh, an update on winetext.com. Yes. I'm curious about what that is and what's coming with that. That's a really good, uh, Ad Age does it right. Very observant. Um, I believe that text is a very important uh, emerging marketing platform for all of us. I think for the last decade plus, uh, we as humans have not let brands and companies into our text. You know, we let them into email, they ruined it, and we've been very cautious. Over the last year, I've noticed that more people are open to giving their phone number to be marketed to, to be sold to, and so, uh, about two, two, three months ago, for my dad's business, I started something called Wine Text. I said, Dad, you gotta do this. I helped him architect it, the team built it. And it's a deal of the day on text. And it's going super well. And it's really led me to believe that 2020, 2021 is gonna be a year where brands are not only gonna sell on text, but if you're a Fortune 500 brand, the kind of content that you put out on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube, the ability to now deliver that in text form and having customers be okay with that and actually want it, as long as you do a good job in giving them good value, is gonna become a big topic in these halls in 24 months. Okay. Wow. So I like doing things early so that I have something to say in 24 months instead of guessing. Um, you recently invested in esports. Yes. Too. Um, tell us why. Why is that important? Uh, I joined up. Uh, me and the Minnesota Viking owners, the Wilfs, have bought one of the uh, Call of Duty franchises in Minnesota for the upcoming league. Um, I did that because of the same reason I do text, and the same reason that I have the resume that I have, which is I observe the world. I don't think anybody in marketing is confused that esports is real. Like, I'd be flabbergasted if somebody's like, it's a fad and it won't be here in a year. I like to do and get my hands dirty. Uh, Owning a team was not only something I thought has potential uh, big return on the investment uh, in my quest to buy the New York Jets, uh, but I would learn about that because that is my goal. And more importantly, I would get even deeper in the ability to help a lot of my brands crack the code on esports, marketing, and things of that nature. Great. Um, so there's been kind of a controversy, if you will, going around Twitter lately um, about you holding up a sign. That <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. That has been the last eight, 96 hours. Yeah, we'd yes. love to. Um, yeah, very simple. Get your take on that. Really poor execution by me and not understanding that a picture. So I wrote this blog post around the idea of strategically working for free, right? Like D-Rock, who's standing here, made a video for me for free, it launched his career. I continue to do a ton of things for free. I get paid a lot of money, I spoke downstairs for free because I value the exposure within our industry. Obviously in the creative industry, a lot of people push against free work. Know your worth, it's bad, it's demonized. I have empathy for that. I do not think I'm right on using free work as a strategy to get to somebody. I just think it's a viable option that I've seen millions of people use for success in the same way that I've seen people, I, and I understand I have empathy that they don't. 
The problem is I wrote a very detailed article around if your parents are paying for it, if, or don't collect $150,000 in college debt, maybe you go and work for somebody. The problem was the picture was self-explanatory within the post where it said, do you want to be miserable at 100,000 a year? Would you rather work for free? And I don't even recall the third one. The problem is somebody took it off the article without a link to the article or any context, posted it in a, in a, and I have empathy, in a snarky way. A lot of people jumped on board. I'm not the least controversial guy, so people look for opportunities to get. I understand that as well. And it is, it is, those moments are difficult for me because unfortunately, you know, look, I don't agree with a lot of things with people in this industry, but I never go into personal name calling or mean, you know, Twitter can get very interesting. People are interesting on Twitter, everywhere. What's really hard for me in those moments is when strategists or creatives from great shops that I respect get into comparing me to awful human beings or say I'm a psychopath or other things, that's, that hurts. I also then have to spend hours engaging in conversation because I want to create clarity because I want to be liked. I want to have good relationships. I don't, I'm loud and have conviction but the words coming out of my mouth um, are something I'm proud of which often are different than the words coming out of other loud and aggressive people and so it was a very interesting weekend, yes. <laughs> and now we're at advertising week yes. and everything's better probably. <laughs> you, know, you know what it is? Yeah. You'll, you'll appreciate this. I think we'll all appreciate this and this might be good for all of us. It's fascinating to wait, watch how people interact with you in real life versus what they're willing to say on Twitter or LinkedIn, right? Uh, it is better because this is where context can be formed. This is where relationships can be formed. I already ran into two or three people that were incredibly difficult uh, in their comment of me and we had a very nice chat and like, I think even energy, I think people can feel. Um, but yes, uh, I'm, uh, I'm wildly aware as a large independent shop with a loud mouth and, and heavy convicted CEO that these things are gonna pop up occasionally and I never judge it. I understand it. I, w- I love being a part of this community. But I believe, you know, I believe in the things I say. I do think there are many circumstances where strategically doing something for free catapults your career because the exchange of just money is not always the transaction. Uh, but I also respect, you know, I respect somebody who thinks the number one way to do a commercial, uh, marketing today is to do a commercial. I do not, but that doesn't mean, I don't get to be right. The market plays out and so I love being part of the community for that reason. Speaking about like platforms and um, trying new things beyond like commercials. Yes. Uh, you're talking um, to TikTok this week. Yes. What do you think about the platform? Obviously, you're a big believer in it. I always get excited about when a platform starts hitting tens, if not hundreds, of millions of users. There's actual attention on it, and I'm never scared if it's young or if it's something else. What's ironic is the other thing I'm most excited about right now is LinkedIn. I don't care that it used to be a recruiting job board or platform or SaaS product. It now is a content hub. I I get excited when something can become the next YouTube or Facebook. Whether TikTok goes on and becomes the next Instagram or not is irrelevant to me. The ability to market right now to Gen Z at scale is real. Now, if you're selling concrete to 80 year olds, TikTok 
doesn't have to be for you. The reason somebody who's selling to 55 year old women as a CPG needs to look at it is one, those Gen Z kids may influence the purchase behavior of that 55 year old and two, if it becomes a big platform, it's a place that you'd like to know strategy and creative about to take advantage. Whether it becomes Vine or social code or it becomes Facebook or Instagram, I don't know. But it's hit the scale and the consciousness that it now deserves attention and making for it to learn the strategies and nuances of the platform that will allow you to become a strong marketer and storyteller when it hits your demographic if it hasn't already. Okay, awesome. Um, now this is a fun one. Um, what has been like the most ridiculous thing that has happened to you at a conference? <laughs> Um, any crazy funny stories that you can leave us with basically? I'm in a really fun spot in my career where because I've produced so much awareness, I just, the funniest things happen is when I am so uncomfortably humbled by somebody saying things like, there was a kid that said they took a bus for four hours to be here. And like I sit there and think about, like honestly it feels funny and ridiculous because I don't see myself in that light. Um, and I also think I like it because it make, I think it's a bigger compliment to my parents. I'm just the byproduct of them. Um, so you know, like that kind of stuff. Like the flattering stuff that comes along with being one of the people that's known. Uh, funny, like, I don't know, like little things make me smile. Like I love when I speak when somebody sneezes. I really enjoy when I say I bless, like, bless you. That feels very natural to me. I think people find that funny. I, I, I also find it funny in a different way that a lot of people get, you know, I'm very competitive, but I'm very unconfused by the abundance in our society. I'm watching a lot of people actively on the way here be cold to each other because they're competitors without realizing there's enough for everybody. And so I find it funny that people don't realize human relationships are the most important thing and you don't know if you're gonna be on a different company the next week and when you were a jerk to Karen because you're competing right now but in a month she's your client or your boss. Like I, I find it funny that people don't, uh, don't lean into kindness and, and humility uh, and so that's another thing I find funny at conferences. Now so you give a lot of advice to entrepreneurs starting out on their own, um, young men looking for their start in the business world. What is the most like common piece of advice that you end up giving? Um, you know, when I talk to emerging entrepreneurs, when I talk to her or him about what they're in store for, A, it's really funny, even hearing you say it, I, it's funny that I don't think about it as advice. Okay. I think about it as observations and hypothesis. I really do. I, I find, I, I'm really trying to almost, maybe this is why I'm saying it, hedge against this notion that I know or that it's advice. I do have experience and I do have a track record that maybe gives it some value. Patience. The number one thing people need is patience. People think they're gonna start a company and it's gonna be a hundred million dollar exit in a year. I think the number one thing that is patience and eliminating, trying to get them to contextualize judgment. I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with judgment. So patience and lack of judgment and being fiercely consumer centric. Fiercely. I actually think that's the biggest issue in our industry. I do think that we are not consumer centric enough. And uh, so those are three themes. Great, well thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks guys for listening. 
please, please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed because a bunch of you aren't subscribed and more importantly, a bunch of you listen every day and haven't told your friends it's the best podcast in the world. I'm watching. (laughs) Have a great day.